Welcome to part two of episode 46 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. On this episode, we have AOPB News, also known as Will, on to review the rules of the Atlantic League from the past year. These are all the rule changes that were submitted in, as part of the MLB partnership with the Atlantic League. This episode was supposed to be released during the middle of this past week, but unfortunately, I came down with a case of laryngitis and a cold, and my co-host also got a cold towards the end of the week, so you're unable to record our during our usual session, so we decided that this would be the best thing to do, release the second half of our show with Will during this usual slot, so that way we could all rest up and get ready for next week. As for all the news that happened this past week, such as Somerset's new third base coach and the new manager for the Road Warrior team, as well as some ALPB signings, all that will be discussed on next week's show, which should be back to normal and everything will go back to the way it should be. I'd just like to take this time to once again thank Will for coming on to the show. He was a great guest, and I hope you guys enjoy the next hour of content. So without further ado, here we go. Part 2 of episode 46 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. The uh, spirit of the ALPB rules, I think it is best now to make that transition into this rules review. Essentially, we're going to go through some of the major rules. We can cut things like time in between innings and batter-friendly check swing rules, stuff like that. That's either not noticeable or really is fairly unimportant. I even size of the bases. I mean, like I don't think anyone here is opposed to making Absolutely the base not. bigger. What do you mean? It's a big deal to me. No, I'm just kidding. It's Absolutely not. Deal. I mean, who How cares? How dare they? Yeah, right. I mean, like, and if it was little things like that, I think we would all be like, ah, whatever. You know, good for Atlantic League to get some get something out of this deal. But as Will's going to talk about in a little bit, you know, that's not all they're asking Atlantic League to do here. And it's funny because for the 2019 season, when we first heard about this, I, I was um, I was in very close contact with a member of a front office in the Atlantic League, and he told me. He said, I, I can't divulge what exactly these rules are, but I'll say this. There's two, like, major rules, like, major rule changes, and a, bo- a bunch of stuff you won't even notice. And I'm like, I can live with that because there's obviously with all the stats and, like, it, it be- makes the league more attractive in some ways. But then, like, I, in the first half product, was I fine. was fine with it. Yeah, it was fine. I was, I was fine with it. I mean, there's a couple annoying things, but I mean, to be honest, it, it looked like it looked fine. Yeah, yeah. And then I get the bombshell Mike Ashmore report on my phone and my jaw just drops. Oh, yeah. And and I was like, wait a second. This this is not what we what I was told. This is not what I'm. And it's not like my source was lying to me. I know yeah. he definitely wasn't. They just I'm sure changed he was the game. blindsided by it. Yeah. And it, it's it's so unfair. A lot of these players, like I know I, I talked to Rick Teasley of the Patriots and he told me that he went, he was started the season with Somerset. Uh, he went to Mexico and, yeah. uh, he, and then he came back to Somerset. Right. And, um, he told me it was, and it was right before the start of the second half of the, uh, Atlantic League season. He's, he said he walked in the clubhouse and, and all his buddies are saying like, Hey, you know, did you know that you can't, uh, you, you have to fully step off the rubber? He's like, what I've I've never played I've never played it that totally way in my al- life. It alters everything. Right? I mean that I guess that's a great place to start with the pickoff rule. Absolutely, it yeah. just it radically changes everything, and it basically kills a pickoff. I mean, oh, you yeah. see a guy step off, he's like, okay, time to walk back. Yeah, and you could literally walk. You can back. literally walk back. Yeah, it 
And I don't really see how that's helping. Like, I'll assume that the point of these rules is A, pace of play to make that quicker. Mm-hmm. B, safety for players, generally speaking. I assume that's what, like, the uh, the bases were. I mean, that really is, that's the only logical thing it could possibly be. Right. And I assume the third part of it is more to generate offense. That's, that's, that's right. I mean, of course, you're looking at... Um Personally, I, I'm I'm very young. I'm I'm 19 years old, but uh, but and and I know it's there's this whole perception that uh all all these young people want offense. I mean, personally, like I like both. They're the, the MLB is trying to make the game more exciting. Uh, they're trying to create more offense. But I think with this pickoff rule, and um, if I can in- just introduce it real quick, just like yeah. the rule itself, just uh, if you, if you're not if you're listening and you're not exactly familiar with the Atlantic League and what specifically this rule was, uh, so the rule reads that a pitcher, a righty, both righties and lefties must completely step off the rubber uh, before attempting a pickoff at any base, and a failure to do so, uh, such as a regular like a spit, like when you when a uh, like your foot turns yep. and you just your a typical, quick spin. Your typical yeah, like type. a normal pick off. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and it's con- it's considered a balk. And so naturally, uh, so I hated this rule in every way. Uh, obviously, this made stealing bases incredibly easy oh, yeah. because you. Uh, let's say, let's say for sake of example, lefty's pitching and you're leading off first base. All you have to do is watch the front leg, and as soon as that moves a fraction gone see ya yep. gone and i saw guys who like like dennis phipps yeah. in, in the like like a guy he, that's not noted for his speed no yeah. great he's not a foot no yeah. great hitter not not very fast at all he was stealing bases oh, and yeah. i'm like yeah. guys like no disrespect to dennis phipps he's a great hitter but the fact that he could easily just get these monster jumps and there's oh, yeah. nothing that anybody can do about it and I also, and so I honestly feel bad for the pitchers in that way. And I hate to bring up the uh, other portion of it, um, indirectly, um, it, it totally, it could inflate their ERA. And, oh, yeah. And oh, yeah, absolutely. So let's say, for example, we have, um, we have a leadoff single to a guy, uh, I'll say Darian Sanford. Okay. Of, yeah. Of very Lan- fast. Of, guy. of Lancaster. Yeah. Obviously, he's, he was going to steal second no matter what the rule is. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, then he just watches the front leg, takes third base. Oh, yeah. Fly, fly out to center, run. Yeah. Earned run. Oh, yeah. And, um, and the it's- thing is, when these guys are trying to get noticed and they bring their stats to a scout and they're like, well, well, your ERA is, um, a little higher than we're, what we're used Sorry, to seeing yeah. or, or used to seeing from guys that we do take out of the Atlantic League. It's, the scouts aren't going to take the time to like to go through each individual exactly. earned run. And I think one of the key things here that we're going to notice is a trend through all of this for the offense, it seems an awful lot like they're just trying to artific- artificially inflate the offense. Yes. And nobody wants to just see an artificially high game. And I think we're all on the same page here when we say we want to see you're not against seeing a high scoring game. No. It, when they happen every once in a while, it's fun to watch sure. a 12 10 game every once in a while. But it's equally as fun to watch a, the pitchers do it. The one where Absolutely. he's like through the perfect game and it was a shutout back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 
I'm, it's hard pressed to not say that's an entertaining game to watch where Absolutely. you're just going and it's almost like you're built the suspense is building going who's gonna blink first and no one wants to blink that is equally as exciting and you don't need this kind of running gun style that like say basketball has where right. something's always happening like a basketball a hockey something's always happening on the field right and you don't need that because that's not what baseball is part of the charm and the lore of baseball i know it's a bit off topic but part of it is waiting for it to happen right of it's, course it's sitting through like five innings where it's just pretty pedestrian a couple of hits double play ends the inning bunch of ground balls fly outs, nothing of major note and then something happens where it's just like oh wow that happened right that, uh, that's uh, half the charm absolutely that's half the charm and the other thing to, to will's point that i think is a really good one is you know yeah okay so we're inflating the offenses and it's actually hurting the players in this way, right? If your ERA is inflated because instead of a traditional slugfest where you see 16 to 15 and, you know, there was 10 home runs hit by each team, you're having, a, you know, a 16 to 15 game because the guy, you know, the ball got thrown by the catcher on a ball on, sh- on the first pitch. So the guy took first base. Uh, he couldn't pick him off. So he's still second and he couldn't pick him off again. So he's still third. And then, you know, a fly ball and it's, a, it's a run. That's not on it's the, an pitcher. it's an earned run. It's an earned run. And, and it's, it's and it also not de- on the pitcher. Yep. And it also devalues the offense, too. Because if you see a league where everybody's batting 300 and has, you know, however many home runs, how many, however many runs scored and a high on-base percentage, it kind of goes, yeah, you had an on-base percentage of 800, but league average is 825. So what does that really say? Right, and and that's what happened this year in Major League Baseball with all the home runs. Everybody goes, ah, 25 home runs is nothing. Like Brett yeah. Gardner on the Yankees hit, like, you know, his highest career high in home runs, yeah. and everybody was like, ah, nothing. He didn't hit any home runs this year. Like, cut him, forget it. Yeah, when you see contact hitters putting up power numbers, it's it's a sign that something's not right. Yeah. And yeah, just more to the pickoff rule, just to circle it back. I'm on the same page. Yeah, I don't like it. It's one of those things where I'm going to say I'm a purist and everything has to be the way it is. I'm fine with it changing. If you genuinely think this is going to help and grow the game and be a positive thing in the long run, or we have to make the change in the long run, fine, do it. And I'm also in the camp, if you're going to change the fabric of the game, change the way it's played, don't do it halfway. Go all the way. Let's just take a way out if we're willing to do things. And with this rule in particular, I see it as kind of like a half commit thing where it's like, well, we still want to leave it in there where you could pick a guy off, but we definitely want to make it harder because stolen bases are like yeah. basketball-y where it's just, ooh, something's happening on the field. It keeps attention. Yeah. And and, on a, and again, like you have these guys going to scouts and like, and then maybe they're telling this guy like, hey, I know my ERA doesn't look um, as good as a guy you would normally take, but uh, I was in the Atlantic League, like the and the but and the scout doesn't exactly. listen. They're they're looking through like ten, like maybe at, let's say at a showcase, they're watching like fifty to a hundred guys. Oh yeah, they're not oh, going to yeah. take the time. Like oh, so that the so we should take that earned run out and that earned run out. Sorry, oh, yeah. they're on to the next guy. Yeah, next guy. Exactly. Like you have a list of say a thousand players you got to get through, and you have one guy going that just doesn't stand out in the list because it's just a list of names at that point. And See, he goes sorry. To, yeah, he goes look. I know you have a lot to do, but if you could just dig through the 50 hours of game footage <laughs> yeah, I right. have, and then I could individually pick out which ones should and shouldn't count, and I could walk you through it all, it'll be fine. I just want you to take an additional 30 hours going through my 40 hours of game film just to see individually. And no scout's going to do that. They're going to go, no. uh, see, ERA, 5.02. 
Next guy. Yeah. Next guy. Oh, oh yeah. this one's lower. We'll go. Let's take a look at him. Yeah. That's how it's going to be. It's, yeah. it's unfair. It's terrible. Yeah. Keeping with kind of the, I guess, stealing aspect and what was touched on briefly. Stealing first sounds like a nice little place to go with it because this makes so much sense, you know? I, I hate this rule. I just can't stand this rule. And, and we've gone back and forth on it. You don't think it's that big of a deal that much, but I mean, we go back and forth sometimes on it. But I mean, I just can't stand this rule. Okay, allow me to defend that claim. I said, and at the time I had said that, I assumed it was just on like wild pitches and things uh, right, like that. Right, I right. didn't assume it was like everything that's not caught. Right. More so than that, I was like, it's a risk that you got to decide if it's worth taking. Because, I mean, if you want to take that risk and go streaking down the line, if you get gunned or it turns into a disaster, then that's the risk you take. It's true. I'm sure you're managing. I, I, I personally didn't see anybody be thrown out on, yeah. on this play. It's rather I hard. guarantee you, if you would, I don't think your manager would be very happy. Oh, no. yeah. No. I think he'd be heated. It's a ga- oh, yeah. It's so. a definite gamble. That's the thing. And it's not really worth it. That's why on this one, I'm like, I'm so, so I'm like, it's going to be so seldom used. And I think the reason why I'm like, ah, I could do it without it is because Major League Baseball will never allow this. No, of course not. Players no. Union will, will die on a hill. No, like course. some of these things even. And I'm sure we'll get to them in this segment. They're going to die on that hill to not allow these things to go through. That's right. And and, uh, and again, for any any um, maybe a fan of the Frontier League who doesn't know this or maybe just sees on the on Sports Center or wherever you watch your sports news and you see, uh, oh, they steal first base. Let me just explain like what the rule is. So basically, a batter can attempt to steal, uh, like quote steal. I, I don't love the the term of it, but uh, on any pitch that is not caught in the air by the catcher. More simply, it's just the drop third strike idea, but on any count and no matter who is on base. So personally, for me, if I were to like give it a grade, I would give it a D. And the only reason I wouldn't give it an F is because I didn't see it, like, I barely saw it. Mm. And I didn't think, like, it was, I, I think if it was used more, it would be um, a much bigger problem. But, I, th- I I mean, it really never really came into play. But I think the rule, to me, just seems like an unnecessary gimmick. It oh, really absolutely. does. Yeah, and it has no place in a serious baseball game. Like, right. sorry, the... These are people's like lives that are trying to make it back, and you're you're putting in all these like little goofy rules of that, and yeah. not even make it back. Some of them just get through the first time. Yeah, yeah. Th- this isn't pace of play. Right. This isn't uh, um, this yeah. isn't really creating offense even that much. It, there's no point to it. I I just that's that's how uh, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Plus, if anything, it goes against pace of play because it adds on time. Right. Yeah. To articulate why I say I hate this rule, that's exactly the reason. Right. I mean, is because baseball right this is about this is taking the bat out of the batter's hands and giving away all of those pressures at bats in the sake of winning a game in a, in the Atlantic League which is what they're there to do and so you're really putting them on the spot with you know would you rather you know stay up there and hit and get your at bat and try to get your stats or would you rather try to win the game and get on base and so it really is something that is just puts a, an unnecessary burden on on the players and like you said it's not going to be used all that much but I think it could be used in games and change 
games, like, you know, if you got somebody who's really pitching well and mowing guys down. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and then, uh, you know, he throws one in the dirt and it gets away, you know, and got a guy on first, uh, you know, it could change the shape of that game. I know. And, and, and I, I have talked to players specifically about this rule, especially when it came out. And I asked the, and I asked a couple of players, I'm like, Hey, is there any talk in, um, in your specific locker room or maybe with players on another team? Like, Hey, we hate this. We're not going to take advantage of this. We're not going to give the MLB what they want, which is they want data. We're not going to give them the data to uh, go off of it. We're just not going to use it. And um, the response I got is there wasn't anything like official, but there were like talks in the locker room like, oh, I'm not going to do that. And even there were there was a play um, in a B's in a B's Patriots game, I believe, back in like July, uh, late July, maybe early August. But uh, Darren Ford was at the plate. I think I remember this. Yes. One, yeah. And so uh, and I posted about it because I, I thought it was it was crazy. And so the ball gets by um, the catcher, Yovan Gonzalez. Yeah, he's. Second nature, uh, blue could have a new ball. Yeah. And, uh, and Darren Ford, like, he could have run. He's yeah. very fast. He, he yeah. could have run and taken first base, but, uh, but he didn't. Like, he kind of just smiled and laughed yeah. at the Patriot dugout. And the Patriots dugout actually gave him a standing ovation. <laughs> now, it might have been a little bit of a, uh, a joke, uh, uh, a joke, right. but it kind of shows that, like, Players don't even really take this serious. Right. So, and again, because they realize it's a gimmick, and oh, yeah. there's just there's just no point to it. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like an unwritten kind of code. It's almost like when you're just playing a game amongst friends, and the one you lose the ball the one time, yeah. and instead of keep running, you just go, you pull up and go, just go get the ball around. Yeah, I'm but not, it's not, not even running. baseball at, at this point, right? If we're going to throw the ball behind the guy and he's going to be running to first, I mean, it's not really even playing the same game that oh, you were yeah. playing before. Oh, yeah, it's it's. It's, it's just not baseball. It, well, put it perfectly. It's a gimmick. It's a gimmick. It's a gimmick. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's go to one of the uh, less contentious ones. I say we'll go to the three batter minimum. This one. This one I'm fine with. I thought I wasn't gonna like it, but honestly, I it's one of those things I don't really notice. And honestly, if anything, I think it adds a little bit more strategy to the game. And you definitely cuts down on pace of play. Yeah. Because there's nothing more boring than like the three or four minutes in between. The one pitcher exiting the game, the other one coming in from the bullpen, then warming up, getting his signs down with his catcher, and then going. It just is such a pause in the game, and then to see them pitch for one, maybe two batters, then pull them out for a marginally better matchup, it's just boring. Just let the guy pitch, and I think it definitely helps with substitutions, because if you're going to make a substitution now, it's going to be one of those things where it's like, okay, I got to be confident in him for the next three batters or to get me through this inning. I'm actually, I'm definitely in agreement with you, Nick. I, I think personally, I'll actually go as far as to say I love the rule. Yeah. And, um, I've, I've argued with plenty of friends of mine about, about this rule that, that really don't like it, but I love it. First of all, it obvi- like Nick pointed out, it speeds up the game. Uh, and to be honest, I really don't mind limiting like um, a situational lefty, uh, it doesn't take it away because you can say you can still use it like with, with yeah. two outs just to end the inning. But um, and and we didn't really see it a ton in the Atlantic League just because you don't really see a ton of mixing and matching because mm. no guy's gonna get picked up that yeah. like it's like it's destroyed by righties yeah. Yeah. and like only gets out lefties like. I mean, that works if you want to just stay in the Atlantic League, exactly. which most guys do not. Right. Yeah. Uh, You're not seeing Jerry Blevins come out of this of league. Of course. Um, but I'll, I'll be honest. I, I really, 
I'm not as sympathetic to, um, like a lefty specialist. I get that, but, um, that, oh, well, I've made a living on, like, just getting out lefties. Well, my, what I would say to that is, if, if you're a professional pitcher, you were elite yeah. in high school, elite in college if you went to it. Yeah. Like, uh, you, you were good at least in, especially in the Atlantic League, you had to be good in at least the lower levels of yeah. the minors. Right. Uh, to reach double A and triple A. And you're telling me you can't get lefties and righties out? I just don't buy it. I think, and any hitter who can't hit a lefty and can't, or who can't hit a lefty or can't hit a righty, your value is significantly diminished. And I don't see a reason why, and I don't love the idea that, oh, we should be like glorifying type of, uh, type of players. And I I know people will disagree with me on it and I'm fine with it, but I, I just, I don't, I'm not as sympathetic to like a situational left. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you with that. I mean, I, I think, I think part of it is psychological, right? I mean, yeah. you, you don't get righties out. You're told you're a lefty specialist. You can only get lefties out or whatever the case may be. You know, at that point, it becomes a little bit into your psyche and, you know, baseball players are all superstitious and everything gets into their heads. Uh, and so, I mean, that does happen, but look, they can get both righties and lefties out. Maybe not at the same exact rate, but. Whoever the pitcher is, if you're a solid pitcher, you can always get out. Doesn't matter who's batting. Doesn't matter, you know, what their statistics are or what side of the plate they're from. You can get them out if you're, if you're a good pitcher. And so I think you're absolutely right. I think this is just shielding guys. And also it's, it's making guys, you know, be less confident in themselves overall as a whole. And, and you know, this is obviously something I think Major League Baseball did adopt this. Am I, I correct yeah, on next that? Season, yeah, for yes. next season, yep. they have. Yeah. Very excited and for so, it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's really something else that you have seen this rule. And this is a, in it where this deal works really well, right? Yep. This worked out in the Atlantic League. People liked it in the Atlantic League. The MLB adopted it. And so that's where the deal is really good. And then those we'll see with some of the other ones coming up. Not so good. Oh, yeah. And I'm just to kind of wrap it up. I'm probably the least sympathetic to the, well, I'm a left-handed only guy. Well, you're a professional baseball player. Right. Get better at pitching. That's my advice to you. It's like if you're at the independent league level, if you're only good at one guy, like you're saying, your odds are not getting picked up if you can only get lefties or righties out. And if you're at a higher level than that, you're probably not making the majors like that. And if you're a guy like, say, Jerry Blevins, like I said, who's like the definition of a loogie, my advice is you're a major league pitcher. You're clearly talented. Pitch better. I, I agree. To- to- totally in agreement there. Exactly. Yeah, get out of your head and, and go exactly. pitch better against right-handers. I mean, that's or it. Or hope that it's like this. Pitch better than the guy that wants to take your job. Yeah, exactly. Or the better player is going to go. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I don't think any fan's going to be like, oh, no, we lost the loogie guy who's kind of fun. They're going to go. Thank God we have a guy that's a competent bullpen arm that can pitch in any situation. That's what you want. And I know there, I know there's a uh, couple big league managers specifically or former big league managers who have spoke out against this rule. Mm -hmm. However, I don't think it's bad. I, I, I just don't see it. I'm just put in the best pitcher you can, the, the pitcher you want available for your, put the best guy in. Yeah. Let him earn his spot. That's the way it works in every other sport. Exactly. Just put the best guy in. And I also want to see the analytics that say that this is something that's a a physical problem. Because I I have not yet to see anywhere that says this is a physical issue where lefties can't get righties out. I haven't seen this. I I really think, I mean, statistically it's there from like, you know, he's hitting one, you know, he's, his, ERA is, you know, zero against lefties and it's 10 against, you know, righties, but I have never seen it where they say, oh, it, well, you know, his, 
his spin rate is down against a right-hander. You know, I've never seen the analytical data suggesting that this is a physical problem more so than just you can't pitch to righties, you know, because your ERA is high or something. So we'll move now to, say, uh, no mound visits. We'll go to the mound visit one here, and then we got a handful of other ones to get through. But I'm going to, I think we all know which one I'm going to save for last because that's going to be the fun one. Oh, yep. Oh, boy. Yep. But before we get to any of that, mound visits. I don't really care, to be quite honest. I'm just kind of whatever. Yeah, would it be nice if you could go on and calm your guy down? But again, I'm in the category of pitch better. If you're getting rattled and whatnot, step off for a minute, compose yourself, and get back in there and pitch. Because if you're getting rattled in, again, the independent league level, what are you going to do when you're at the major league level and a guy gets on? This is relatively, or not relatively speaking, but in the grand scheme of things, it's a pretty low pressure situation especially because a lot of these guys if you give up two or three runs unless you're a reliever if you're a star you give up two or three runs and you're a star not a big deal your team will probably bail you out unless you play for summerton in which case you've got oh, yeah. one you don't get one run nick don't even get me started you get, you get a half a run you didn't even get one run it's like the 2015 mets you get a run don't don't let up more than a run otherwise you're not winning today yeah but three nothing in the first i might as well go home yeah, yeah right <laughs> it's done it's just done but yeah like by and large here you can recover from giving up a handful of runs you don't need a manager coming out every other pitch to calm your guy down you don't need a giant meeting at the mound after every base hit we can calm it down keep it moving like one or two fine more than like one every couple of innings it's like come on this is excessive Basically, again, for any uh, person who uh, out there who is not familiar uh, with the rule, uh, pitching coach visits are not allowed whatsoever. When a manager goes to the mound, they have to uh, they have to take out the pitcher, except for let's say an injury. Uh, that there's an exception there. Uh, the catcher is usually not allowed to go to the mound. The only time they're allowed to go to the mound is to uh, discuss signals. And you'll see if you ever been to an Atlantic League game, you've probably seen it, where the home plate umpire will jog out there to ensure that the conversation is only related to signs. Now. I think they might be talking about something. Oh, yeah. I think that they're really loose with that. Yeah. What defines a sign. Yeah, which is fine. But personally, I, I really like it. Um, bef- but before I get into like why, why I like it, um, I did actually reach out to um, a couple people, um, just two, two pitchers specifically, okay. and one's actually a pitching coach. So I'll do the, pit- the right-handed pitcher first that I reached out to, ask him, Hey, what do you think? Um, so, uh, Atlantic League fans, you'll probably know uh, the name Craig Stem. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Was one of the best pitchers in the league this year with uh, the Blue Crabs and the Highly Rockers. Highly underrated. Yes. Yep. Really, really good pitcher. Um, so, I asked him about it. I said, like, what do you think of uh, no man visits? And uh, I actually quoted him on it. Um he said that, uh, he said, I love it. I've been pitching for a long time and there's no situation I don't know how to handle on the mound. Uh, I've always hated mound visits. I thought they broke up my rhythm and I rarely saw any positive effects. The only downside is that you can't talk your manager out of taking you out of the game. Uh, sometimes you could convince him to let you face one more guy, but obviously if you, this year, if you came out there, if the manager came out there, you had to come out of the game. I like him so much more after hearing that. Yeah. I love this guy after hearing this. <laughs> this is the kind of mentality I like. He's a good pitcher. He can handle himself. Let him pitch. Yeah, exactly. And um and and I I I agree with him. And I think um again, 
he's a professional. A lot of these yeah. guys in the Atlantic League are 28, 29. May, obviously, some are like much older. They've been pitching for a long time. They've given up runs before. They know how to handle it. The other guy, um, Jonathan, I hope I'm saying this right, Alba Ladejo. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's a right-handed pitcher on the Lancaster Barnstormers, and he's also been their pitching coach for the last two seasons. Uh, he was also a five-year major league veteran. Yep. Uh, and so I asked him what, what he thought about it as well from, it's, it's a different perspective as yeah. a pitching coach. Right. Cause he watches, uh, all the other guys pitch and, uh, critiques them, of course, like a, like a coach would. Yeah. And he said, uh, and again, I quote him again, uh, I get why we have the rule. You know why, uh, you know them wanting to speed up the game and all, but I think they should come up with one or two mound visits before the fifth inning or a rule like that. That's where I really think it's hurting the pitcher because if the starter is struggling in the first or second inning, most likely the manager is not, not going to take yeah. him out. They're going to try and get him through the particular inning because they don't want him, they obviously don't want to run through the bullpen that early. And, um, he said a mound visit can give a pitcher a chance to regroup and get back on track. So, um, although I don't fully agree with it, I, I do understand where he's coming from. Um, I think, especially maybe for a younger pitcher, maybe a pitching, a veteran pitching coach, a guy who's pitched in the major leagues like Alba Ladejo, yep. coming out like um, calming him down, or maybe he sees something uh, mechanical. Right. Although I do know, like Jovan Gonzalez, the Patriots mm. catcher, uh, said that he'll see certain things like mechanically that he can tell. Um, he can that he used to be able to tell his yeah. pitcher. I'm sure he's still does yeah. in some right. ways yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. um but so yeah personally I, I align i think more along the lines with what craig stem said although i do understand what uh <laughs> i don't think that pro pitchers really need them i think the only thing i maybe would say is maybe like one one catcher visit per inning yeah maybe just one it, maybe put like a limit on so you get x per the game and then that's what you have yeah. to work with like say you get three Mountain visits a game, and then once you run through them, that's it. Yeah, tough. that would be what I what I would agree with. I, I see. I agree with you guys that you know you got to go out there and pitch, and these are professional guys. Um, but uh, there are some emotional, fiery competitors out there on the mound, and you know maybe Craig Sam's not an overly emotional guy, but there are some guys who you know and I've played with them that they really just juice themselves up, and then oh, yeah. they're firing balls into the ground after they give up a home run, and they're you know screaming out there and oh, so Kevin Grendel in Game One. Yeah. Of the- championship series exactly ah, guys yeah. losing their mind and I, I do not need the big promote commotion from the pitching coach uh you know i caught when i was in high school the catcher knows your mechanics i know you know you see when the guy's pulling a little bit you see when he's his arms dragging he's getting his elbow down you see all of these things so you can go out there and say okay this is what you're doing five ten minutes you know not ten minutes ten, five ten seconds this is what you're doing come on get it together deep breath let's go that's it. I mean, that's all you need. And like you said, three a game before the fifth inning, especially for a starting pitcher, you know, if he gives up a home run early, you know, can really help stem him through the rest of the game. It doesn't need to be this big uh, promotion commotion where you have the pitching coach come out and talk Jog to him. out there yeah. slowly. Talk. Oh, yeah. Umpire jogs out there. All right, guys, let's wrap it up. One sec. Okay, now the now the old pitching coach yep. takes a slow jog back to the oh, yeah. Everybody takes their time Don't getting back it. to where Don't they're positioned, it. and oh, they yeah. look back over, going right here, right, no, over, over, 
got you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and and half the time it's like, you know, what are we getting for pizza after the game? I mean, you know, <laughs> if it's a pitching coach out there, I mean, he'll say what he's got to say. He'll tell a joke and then that'll be it. And it's like, well, I don't really need that. Like you said, these guys are professionals. They can handle their job. But I do think you have some serious, fiery competitors that do need to be reined in a little bit sometimes. Right. Yeah. All right. So then let's see. I guess uh, we got a choice. Do we want to go with the foul bunt strike or do we want to go with the shift band? We can do shift band, I guess. Right, up we'll to the expert, yeah. We'll band. go to shift band then, then we'll go to two strike, and then we'll go to the final one. The final one. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, uh, the shift band, uh, again, the, the rule is, it, it's been sort of discussed in the MLB, uh, a little bit. Obviously, not, nothing, but nothing has been implemented yet, but quite simply, there needs to be two in, there's, uh, an imaginary line, or sometimes in some parks, there would be a, uh, white chalk line, like, like, kind of like a foul line yeah. right up the middle, uh, going into the outfield. Uh, quite simply, there needs to be two infielders on each side. Um, Personally, I didn't think it had that big of an impact on Atlantic League games because I don't really see that much shifting in general. Yeah, right. But personally, just from a general baseball perspective, I don't really like this rule. I understand why. I, I get the argument for it. Uh, but again, if you know as a fielder, if you have a, if you can make an educated guess where the guy usually hits it, why I don't understand why you why you wouldn't be allowed to uh, position more guys there and give yourself an advantage. Right? I know it's not yeah. as easy as people said. Oh, just take the ball the opposite field. I know it's not that easy. But again, like think about it. Maybe in a different sport, in basketball, if a guy is really good with his right hand dribbling and can't dribble with his left hand. Should it be against the rules to force him to dribble with his hand that he's weak in? Oh, like yeah. no, yeah, absolutely. And so I don't, I don't see the the idea that we shouldn't be able to um to ex- to uh, expose weaknesses that you can't expose weaknesses. Uh, maybe some might disagree. Oh, I know, I understand that uh, it's kind of sparked the whole launch angle, lots of strikeouts. I get it. I don't, but I personally don't like the idea of outright banning the shift. I agree with that. I think hitters need to adapt, right? I mean, I think you have way too many guys for way too long. We're in the Adam Dunn category where everything was yank and crank. They were pulling the ball. It didn't matter where. It was either going to be a strikeout or they were going to pull the ball, you know, 350 feet. Uh, and so you saw a lot with like guys like Mark Teixeira at the end of his career. He, you know, the shift came up and he just hit right into the shift, just right every time. And so obviously in the Atlantic League level, like you're saying, there's not, as much advanced analytics to say, okay, this guy hits it here, you know, 35% of the time. So go right in that exact spot. There's a lot more of that in the major leagues, but it often vacates like half the field. I mean, if it vacates half the field, you can't say, you know, obviously, you know, having hit, it is not easy. The ball does not go where you want it to go anytime. But, but I mean, there are ways to sit back, especially like if you're facing a guy who's throwing a lot of off speed stuff, there's ways to sit back and hit the ball the other way. I mean, there are ways to train yourself how to do that. And there are guys like really, who are really great at that. I mean, Mookie Betts on the Red Sox has fantastic control of where he puts the ball he is one of the best at it right Mm. and so you have guys like that who have this control uh, and and those guys shouldn't should be rewarded for you know like dj lemayhew another guy in the yankees absolutely you know able to you know put the ball spread it all around those guys should be rewarded because they're not getting these shifts and and you know i think that really there should be uh you know more of a move to make uh hitters more well-rounded in both the atlantic league and major league baseball 
See, I'm in the camp of it's assumed risk, and that's why I'm not a huge fan of the rule. If you want to shift everybody onto one side of the infield or the other, there is a disadvantage there. If they do hit the other way. Or I I forget which game I was watching, but they put a hard shift down the first base side. Just drop a bunt down the third base side. No one was getting there because it was a nice bunt rolled right to the third third base bag. Yeah. No one was getting that. It was an easy base hit. Absolutely. And that's always a possibility. There is a risk when you shift. And for that reason, I'm fine with you leaving a shift in there. I'm not huge on the rule of you have to have two guys on each side, second base, or yeah. wherever you put this line. I do get the, why they tried it, though. Yeah, I, I understand why yeah. they did because shifting does, it takes offense out of the game, and it's not really terribly exciting. Plus, if you're just tuning in to watch a game and you see a defense aligned a certain way, and then all of a sudden they're all moving over one way, and everybody's like checking, like if they have like kind of like the quarterback wrist. Yeah, their wristband. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are they always? Or the dugout there? You know. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. looking over, like over this way. Like, what's it gonna be? I understand it. At the same time, though, there is a natural disadvantage to it. If there was something that was like game breaking, where there is no natural disadvantage to it, or the odds of it going wrong are so slim that it never happens, or it seldom happens. Yeah. Then fine, do something to outlaw it. But it's it's not one of those times where there is a way that to beat the shift. Now, oh, grant, yeah. of course, it's not easy. No, no. But there is a disadvantage with it. If you just choke up, smack it that way, drop a bunt down, or if you just do what you tried to do with the ball and you push it right through the hole. Oh, there yeah. Is, there's a major disadvantage that comes with it. You're giving up a hit. And a right-hander, if, if a right-hander's got a shift to that, that left-hand side, Right. And he, and he, cause he always pulls down the third base line. Like you're saying, choking up on like a, a curveball. I mean, they have to pitch to that defense as well. Yeah. If they're oh, yeah, throwing absolutely. a curveball yeah. to the outside part of the plate, I mean, nine times out of ten, that's going to be, you know, a ground ball, you know, especially if a guy doesn't get, get a lot of it. It's going to be a ground ball right past the first base bag and it's going to be a hit every time. So, I mean, you know, like you said, assumed risk is really the right word for it because it's, it's absolutely uh, something that is able to. It's, there's a lot more involved in it than just you know. Oh, we've got to move these guys over. So I, 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 like you said, I think that it's a it's it's a bad rule. Excuse me, I said it's a good rule. I think it's a bad rule uh, to have uh, this in place. I think you have to have um, the shift in there, especially because, like you're saying, a, a good thing for baseball. Mm-hmm. But like I mentioned before, I I do the idea that oh uh, the MLB is trying a uh, couple rules that may or may that has been discussed yep. in the MLB. We'll try in the Atlantic League. This is the type of rule. Like, did it work out? Not really. Yeah. But this is the type of rule that I'm totally okay with yeah. them yeah. trying. Mm-hmm. Like, we we have no idea how it's going to work. Let's put it in a, te- a good testing ground like the Atlantic League. And that's and even though it's not my favorite rule, it does it didn't really it didn't really like work 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 out that much. But I think that this is a the shift ban is a perfect type of rule that. That, that is what should be tested in the Atlantic League. Agree. Yeah. Stealing first base and these pickoff rules. Oh, that stupid. is no. Yeah. That's not what this, the, this partnership was intended. Shift ban, like, and rules very similar to that. Sure. I have no problem with them trying. It. Right. So I think now we could go to the foul ball strike rule. And, uh, honestly, I feel like this is one when I heard it, I was a lot more up in arms about than I am now. I still don't like it. I'm still in the camp of if you bunt it foul, it's a strike. Regardless of what count it is, you don't just get a freebie. That's that's just changing the game. And again, it seems like a gimmick. 
but it I feel like it so seldom happens where it has a meaningful impact on the game where then you wind up with two strikes on there and, and the guy oh, strikes out anyway. Exactly. <laughs> and so I just I don't really have a a solid position on it. I guess I don't like it because it's a gimmick, but it's yeah. not like a solid I'm dead set against it kill it where it lies yeah i, I mean listen i'm the so the atlantic league they do have uh, dhs i think yeah. in a game if the when the pitchers hit you put it in a uh, national league setting mm-hmm. i think then you could have a lot bigger it could be a lot bigger impact right. yep. yeah absolutely. Um, but i think uh in like american league slash pretty much everyone else uh setting uh i don't think it's it really came into play that much I, I'm not a big fan of the rule in general. Uh, the only re the, there, but there was an interesting like I tried to think of myself like playing mm-hmm. devil's advocate a little bit, like maybe what they're thinking as far as that. I think it is trying to um, like not um, see take bunting and like use it as a way to combat the shift. Right. Okay, and uh, that that's how I wanted to put it. Yeah. Um, and maybe encourage trying to bunt against the shift and right. by giving another a batter another chance to yeah, uh, give you some leeway where if you push right. it foul, it's not that big of a deal. Right. And, yeah. and if more people took advantage of it, maybe they wouldn't shift as much, which is what the MLB really does want all along. And so that's that's the only way I could really think of. And maybe it like sort of makes sense. I mean, I think it's a little like artificial, though. Yeah. yeah. Again, it seems like artificially inflating yeah. offense, which speaking with all these rules that's what it seems like a lot of them are realistically if you want offense it needs to seem naturally occurring Agreed. if it seems like you're just intentionally going yeah if we do this and this we'll see another five runs on average per game yeah it it's not the same it, it yeah, takes it's not away the same and and this rule to me is is mad you know what i mean like it's one yeah. of those rules where it's like okay great but i don't know how much of an impact it, it makes because if you've got, a, I mean, okay, fine. Let's play devil's advocate. If you've got a guy who's a really, really heavy hitter, right? He's hitting, you know, 350. Guess what? In 90% of situations, he's not bunting anyway. I wouldn't so, want him to bunt. Right, yeah. exactly. You wouldn't want him to bunt. It wouldn't make sense for him to bunt. So the guys who are bunting are usually guys who are, let's be honest, are more prone to get out in these situations. So, okay, if you give him another chance to bunt, maybe he gets it down. But if he didn't get it down the first two times... You know, the first three times. What are the chances that on the yeah. fourth time he's going to drop it down? Right? So if you can't bunt, uh, uh, you know, it just it, like I said, it's a rule that, uh, you know, I, I'm against it. Like, yeah. I, I don't like it. I think it's silly, but I don't think it's a rule that I'm willing to, you know, be like outraged about. Again, this is another one where, you know, it kind of it gets worked on a little bit. Let's see how it goes. And then we can kind of kick it to the curb hmm. uh, when it doesn't work. You know, this one, again, feels more like what the partnership should have been. Yeah. Right. Not these big sweeping changes that change the way the game is played. Like our next yeah. rule is going to be right, uh, but and and I think we can all agree is like if this were actually put into the MLB in the National League when the pitchers hit, then it could make then a it would really make a really big impact. Agreed. Um, but I mean, with and especially in the Atlantic League when when the shift was banned anyway. And you don't really see a bunch of people bunting, like, to begin with. It didn't really make that much of an impact. Yeah, it's almost like the contaminated their testing ground by saying, right. what we want to see if this will reduce this variable, but we've already pretty much killed this variable. Yeah. So it's, and it's, it's impossible it's just like to a, test. Right. It's like a useless rule at this point in time. I mean, it's right. just a, not one that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I, before we get into the last one, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it would ever happen. Yeah. 
if they move the mound back, it's I, terrible I, and I, awful. I, I might like just cry forever. Oh, it's, it's just awful. It's a, oh god. It, we've discussed. I think we've all pretty much made it very clear that is one of the worst possible things that could ever happen because there is no way in hell. Major League Baseball will actually succeed in moving the mound back. No. Because the players' union will literally and figuratively die on that hill. And it's <laughs> just, it's so stupid for so many reasons. And it's not almost so, for me, it's not even so much the purity of the game thing. Cause like I've said before and even earlier in the show, if you're going to make changes, let's get radical with the changes. Let's not right. half commit. It's the fact that adding that extra two feet onto the mound it's gonna make a huge difference oh, and yeah. it's gonna kill so many pitchers arms oh, and already yeah. you have to get tommy john surgery because oh, they're yeah. throwing as hard as they can every time in a motion that the human arm was not designed to throw in mm-hmm. so you tack on an extra two feet now they're gonna throw even harder to try and keep up their velocity and the speed and right. everything on it and it's gonna be near impossible to do that because oh, already yeah. you're throwing so hard your arms come nearly coming out of its socket and now instead of hitting like 95, 96, 97, you're just going to be hitting like 88, 90, 91, 92. Yeah. And a major league batters, if we're talking big picture on this, they're going to crush all oh, that. Oh, that's a B. Easily. 85 is a BP fastball. It is. I mean, like, and, it, and if that's what they turn it into is a BP fastball, like you're saying. I'll show terrible. up early and watch batting practice. Yeah, I really. want to see a, a hitting gallery. Or yeah. I'll go to the all-star game and watch the home run derby. Yeah, exactly. And and there's another part of this uh, that um, we we haven't talked about yet, and I really do think it's important to mention. And now again, to people listening, I don't think it's going to happen. I have uh, some very very uh, people connected into the league who told me uh, some uh, co- a coach from a team who said we were telling the guys that were working out that this is not going to happen. But um, uh, but nothing has been official from the league yet, which of course worries me still a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. but. I, I, t- I had a really interesting discussion with this from uh, Josh McAdams okay. uh, of the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. He's currently playing in Australia, but um, and I asked him, obvious. So obvious, would people's stats in the Atlantic League go up? Absolutely. However, let's take this into consideration. Let's say we'll just use Josh McAdams for an example because right. we're talking. Um, he's the guy I had a discussion with. Mm-hmm. It, let's say he starts. The mound gets moved back. He starts raking. And yep. an MLB team picks him up. He goes to Double A. Now in now the mound is regular sixty oh, feet yeah. six yep. inches. It's gonna get blown away. Of course, the timing yeah. is completely thrown off, and you have to start him like you, you have to. He would need, and I asked him I'm like if you let's say in that hypothetical situation, how long would you need to get adjusted to the regular speed again? And he would say honestly, probably about three weeks. And if you look at that, and I think that's a fairly realistic yeah. time yeah, timetable. Yeah, and yeah. I'm Maybe sorry, more. and I'm sorry, yeah. but these. MLB organizations are not waiting three weeks. No, they're not waiting three weeks. They're waiting one week. (laughs) Yeah. If that, there's no risk in There's no risk. Of course, they're as, um, as good as it is that there's no real risk involved. It's bad in the sense that they can, they can just cut you if you're struggling and they're not going to give you time to figure it out because they can just go to a younger player, a guy who, um, maybe they have, a future, like they think they can have a future role with, even though he might struggle a little bit, they're not going to wait that oh, yeah, weeks no. for or you to adjust. Yeah. Or they'll go get an American Association guy who oh, is yeah. oh, yeah, just playing the traditional game. Exactly. And like you're saying, it, while it's great that you can get guys in and out really quick, the problem with getting guys in and out really quick, there's a low retention rate. Yeah. So when you struggle, you have about two, three days to figure it out. 
and to go and plus I can only imagine how much your mechanics get screwed up oh, from going to normal mount, longer mount, back to normal mount. Just timing in general. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. everything everything gets screwed up because now you're always gonna be just off. And when you're just off like that, that's the difference between a base hit and an out, or the difference between a home run and a short fly out. Especially those those power hitters, right? That yeah. already generate so much drag when they when yeah, they go a guy through like the Tom zone. Nash, for example, yeah, like generate so much drag. He's gonna have to add like a hitch almost to yeah. to make up for an account for that, and then he's gonna get just absolutely blown away when he's throwing against a guy who's throwing ninety five from a sixty foot six inch mound. Yeah, and 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 don't forget how the original rules propose. Like, let's say for for example that obviously, and we're hoping, and I. I think we can be pretty yeah. confident that this will not happen. But let's say, like, the proposal said we're going to play regular mound for the first half. Yeah. And then after the All Star break, you're going to do that? What? Oh my God. Yeah, That's that so terrible. terrible. How are players going to adjust to that? And I, I it's. And uh, you're just flipping the game on them halfway through it. Do you know oh, yeah. brain when you made that? I don't get it. Oh, Plus, yeah. it corrupts all their stats and all their data up to that oh, point because yeah, there's no it. way you can use the first half stats to reflect the second nope. half stats. No. It just, it, it's just such a bad rule. I don't think anyone in their right mind would be in favor of moving them out back. That is just such a ludicrous idea. If that happens, guys will run from the Atlantic League. Oh, absolutely. Plague. I don't care. They'll go to... Congrats, American Association. You just won it. Yeah, you just won Congrats. it. Congrats. Yeah, I'll, I'll take my... uh because. I go to a ton of Somerset Patriot games. Right. I'll take the drive up the parkway. I'll go to some jack. I'll go to jackal games. <laughs> yeah, every yeah night. right. That's yeah. fine with me. Yeah. If that yeah. happens, that you can. Well, I, even I, I Sussex like is a good it. time. Yeah. yeah. There's people that tailgate at Sussex. Wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. Technically, you're not allowed to because I read through the rules, but no one enforces that yeah. rule. And there is ta- we. How many times we've seen tailgating? Oh, uh, before every single playoff game that we've that, been that's, to. That's awesome. It's it's weird, but it's great. It's great. It, yeah. it's awesome. They get, they there's get some a wild genuine fans up there. <laughs> yeah, plus Minor Man, which you don't believe me, actually has a job. Minor Man has a job, and I'm, I'm a little confused about this, but Minor Man is a guy. Yeah, let me explain Minor Man real quick, and then we'll okay. dive yeah, into the into the final big daddy rule here. So Minor Man is this guy at the Sussex County Games. He dresses up in like the jersey, everything, and he he's a I'm pretty sure he's totally bald, but he's pretty bald, and he's got his typical beard and whatnot. He does he dye the beard? Or does I he think he the dyes the beard, or, and he or does he just paint it white? I think he just paints it. Yeah, he paints his beard white, and, and then puts on face. full face paint in wow. miners' colors, so black and gold, I guess it is. Yeah, paints it all up, and then I think for like Fourth of July, Memorial Day, and for certain holidays, he does it up differently. And he puts like the logos in his cheeks Oh yeah, he gets it all. He's running around with like the cowbell, got a little uh, bullhorn that he's trying to get the crowd going and whatnot. Yeah. He's like an unofficial mascot. That is awesome. And he, he gets the crowd going and it's just, it's really a fun environment to see a game in. It, it really is. Yeah. yeah. It's, like it's the wild. playoff games there are awesome. They are awesome. need to make a trip this year. You all oh, definitely. It's wild up there. It's a good time up there. That's probably my favorite out of all the yeah. stadiums that we go to. That is my favorite because the crowd up there is just insane yeah. and I, I love it. Yeah. No disrespect to Bugle Man. Or, Bu- Bugle or Man. Horn guy. Yeah, horn guy, whatever yeah, we're calling Yeah, the Jackals him. game. Jackals game, guy yeah. plays the horn the whole game. Guy's uh-huh. Jackal jersey on. Does the whole thing with the Bugle. It's a sight to be seen. It is. It is. It's not general admission level, but it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We've made our point on general admission multiple times. Of course. Yeah, Alright, let's get back yeah. to business here. Yeah. Enough of the tangents. On, we'll bitch. get now... Are you serious? Come on. We'll get now to the rule that I know everybody loves because there's absolutely no downside to the automated balls and strike system because it won a Sports Techie Award. 
Oh yeah, it, it won a sports techie. Oh, put wow. it in the majors already. Exactly, yeah. it won a techie. Come on, uh, I'll get that one started by just going. I'm not inherently against it because it's going to happen one way or the other, and I genuinely think there is upside here, and I just think it was implemented the wrong way, and it just needs some of the corners buffed out on it. Right now, it's not great because the system just reads it plainly. So if a ball just clips the strike zone, it's a strike, even if it's in the dirt. Right. And that's not good. You need to have some human correction to it. Now, you can't have over-human correction because then it defeats the purpose of the system. Of course. Right. But like when we were talking to the one umpire, the one Somerset game, he said, you know, it's not terrible. I'm still allowed to overrule some calls. Yeah. I think that's the way to do it. Let the umpire still be able to overturn one or two yeah. that are egregious. Reprogram it so that's more in line with a traditional strike. Yeah. And go with that. Because I really think the whole purpose of it is just to eliminate the crazy stuff that's way outside. Yeah. To rein in, you know, wild Joe West and <laughs> Cowboy Angel, Angel Hernandez. Hernandez. Cowboy. Angel Hernandez. Oh, Angel Hernandez. <laughs> uh, ball goes out his eyes. Ah, strike three. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's. I was really interested to see yeah. this in action, and there were some things I really did like about it, and there were some things that I really hated about it. I, I think it's important for people to admit that um, whether you love the strike zone, hate the strike zone, it's going to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just the fact that the uh, MLB put it in the Arizona Fall League this year, where they mm-hmm. send all their top prospect, where teams send their top prospects. And they're also putting it in the minor leagues this year. Yep. And boy, am I interested to see that. Yeah. But, oh, it's going to be fun. Uh, they're going to be very surprised. Yeah, they're going to uh, be. Assuming huh. that, hope, hopefully they changed it. Yeah. Hopefully bit. they did what this partnership was supposed to do, looked at the bad elements of it, and corrected them, at Tinkered least partially. Yeah. 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 So uh, from from the, the feeling, because of course, I don't think it's fair for me in general to judge as a fan, because... Yeah. I don't. I don't have the angles. I mean, I sit behind the Patriots first base dugout, mm. and uh, so there's certain things I see, certain things I don't see. Right. Um. So the general consensus I I got was fastballs. It's on the money. Yeah. In general, and even like and um, it goes. It favors hitters a little more just because uh, umpires uh. They'll they'll usually give you yeah. more often than not they'll give you a little bit off the plate rather right. than not give you a strike and I like I talked to Rick Teasley uh, and Rick Teasley said that even if I don't get a ball um like a pitch that I'm uh, usually accustomed to getting to like I don't care that balls are balls as long as strikes are strikes right. was his yeah. exact quote and I and I think and and I agree with that and some people totally hate it some people. Uh, like it um but i think fastballs pretty good breaking pitches it's got to be changed yeah you you cannot possibly put what i saw in the atlantic league last year and what these players played through in the atlantic league last year it is not ready for major league play right because i'm sorry but i, I understand that it maybe it clipped a corner of the strike zone on an uh, on a breaking ball if you do if a three D view with yeah. the box, like, like I know, box does, yeah. If it if it ends up, I'm sorry. If it ends up in the dirt or way off the plate, it's not a strike. Right. Exactly. But it needs I, consistency. Yeah. And I think, uh, and I think I, I, the umpire overrule is good, but um, and and I, I would hope that they're done tweaking it because the Atlantic yeah. League actually did admit uh, that they lowered the strike zone a little okay. bit. So like in, during the season, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure when. 
but they did uh, lower the strike zone. And I think it has to be based on more than just your height. Because uh, for those who don't know, actually, I don't know if, uh, if yeah. you guys are aware, but the players were just like, okay, please type, like beginning of the season, please type in your height. Oh, and, and based oh, off of that. Yeah. Yes. So so uh, if you exaggerate a little bit and you try to like, sell yourself a little bit so taller than it is. That's exactly the story I'm getting to. So uh, you guys know Kent Blackstone is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, awesome guy. I, I talked to him a good amount. He told me a story where he basically his height is 5'11". Right. Okay. And when they said type in your height, he's like, eh, who doesn't like a six foot infielder? Yeah. Six foot. And then he's like, <laughs> when he was facing uh, with the uh, strike zone, he was getting some pitches called it like his, his like, oh, like just the, under the shoulders. And he's like, what the? Right. And, right. um, and until he's like, until he finally realized what the problem was and he had to adjust his height. <laughs> oh my so, God. As funny as that is, yeah. you can't just make it yeah. based on, it can't no. type be just in your numbers. Height. No, you have to give it a like, you, this has to be super, super accurate. Yeah. And if they can get it that way, I'll be happy with it. Yeah. I, obviously, it takes away um, framing, and I, I love watching catchers try to frame. I, yeah. yeah, me too. It's, it there's an art to that. Oh, yeah. And, and you said you were a catcher. Yeah, correct? I was a catcher, yeah. Right. And there's definitely an art to framing, uh, and the few years that we have without uh, – the few years remaining in the MLB that, that – I'm sorry, but yeah, few years it's remaining coming. we do have with human um, uh, completely human umpires, um, framing is really important when evaluating catchers. Yeah, um, it is. But if I have to give that up in order to make to know that the strike zone is perfect and that they get this zone uh, like um, completely perfect, I can live with it. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, I think as long as it it's tinkered with, so we're not dealing with like you know this guy who's like you're saying, oh, it's five eleven or is he six foot, and we're gonna make a strike at his head because he put in six one and he's trying to be you know for for yeah. scouting purposes, whatever. I mean, like let's let's be realistic here. This needs to be a hundred percent accurate. Absolutely. If, if we're gonna yeah. say that this needs to be accurate, and that's the reason we're doing this, then it has to actually be accurate. Mm. I mean, you can't have it come in there and like you're saying, you know, ball bounces in the dirt, but it clips the corner on the way down if you do this 3d box like fox uses and it you know yep. pans on and it shows you like yeah it shows you like this little corner where it nicked it i mean that's just not it's not how that's gonna work right that's not the, you're right it's not baseball it's not the spirit of what balls and strikes really are it, it, it breaks down to when you're you know create when they created baseball it's can you hit the pitch or not right that's what a striker yep. a ball is can the ball be hit i mean and i think that still pertains to that yep I agree with both of that. It just, it needs to be consistent. You need to call everything out as it is. And I think you need to stop being, and it's, it's kind of a general thing you see more. People want it to be a hundred percent by the way it is and get it down to a science. And there's just certain things that can't be a science. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things where you can't have be every six foot two second baseman has the same strength. Right, it's yeah. just not how like that a works. Half an inch really makes a difference. Exactly. Oh, yeah, it does. Exactly. And when you get into like these high pressure games, especially when you get to the major league level, when you have game 163, it's the ninth inning. It could be the start of the ninth inning. If that one pitch now is because the infield side, I'm going to cheat a little bit, get a little extra height because it'll help me get picked up. If that's now just high enough where he can't hit it because oh, of his actual goodness, height, yeah. but the strike zone says that. You're going to see such a problem, especially if that team doesn't wind up winning that game. They're going to point to that and everyone's going to blame it. And then you're going to have this debate instead of, I can't believe the umpire missed that call. You're going to get, 
well, he had it coming. Why did he lie about his height? Right. And yeah. is that, and everyone's going to go, well, reasonably, any number you see on like baseball reference oh, or a yeah. trading card, they embellish the height a lot. They do. Oh, yeah. And in all sports. Exactly. Um, it goes across the board. It helps I you. I did want to uh, pitch an idea to you guys, yep. like about like may- maybe a compromise, like not fully go like a automated strike zone. I want to see what you guys thought of it. So do you guys, are you guys familiar with like, how tennis challenges work yeah a little bit yeah okay so uh for anyone who doesn't know um a player if they think a ball was out or in they can challenge and basically the challenge takes all of five seconds like they'll show it on like like the big jumbotron they'll show the ball coming in like where the mark mark was and if it's on the line a little bit on the line it's in if it's a little bit off the line it's out okay what if you had a system in like major league baseball where you could have a certain amount of challenges, okay. and you could, t- and you could determine whether, uh, if you really thought something was egregious, and you said like, oh, okay, that pitch is way off the plate, not a chance that was a strike. E- the manager agrees, everybody agrees, like, okay, we want to challenge it. One, two, three, four. Okay, it was a ball. All right, move on. What, what would you guys think? All right, so basically, be using the system that tennis uses, but it's kind of like football, where you only have a limited amount per game. Correct. Okay. Uh, I really like that. I think that's the way, right? I mean, mean, to me, that's the way to do it, right? Because if you have this automated system, it takes something away from the game, right? It takes takes framing away from the game. It takes a naturalness away from the game. And, but, but I also, I think you should have, like, in a ninth inning situation, I want there to be able to have these challenges, right? Yeah. And so I think you have to make it in a way that it's available in, pivotal moments because if you use all your challenges in the first inning right and you know oh I, there's you know, say you get two challenges a game right yeah and the ball's way off the plate all right you use it okay and that's you know okay it's a ball and then you use another one let's say the second or third inning then when the ninth inning rolls around you know there that happens and a ball's way outside and you can't challenge it right so i, I think that there needs to be a way that you know maybe each course, team yeah. gets one on the ninth inning or something like that. Like there need there's ways to do this. That, yeah, yeah, that's not you know full automation with it. Yep, I'd go with that as long as it is a reasonable length of time that yes. this restriction right. is to. Yeah, because the one thing I hate across every sport when you see a video challenge or play is when we're looking at it for ten minutes. Oh, like the turn- NFL. Oh my yeah. god, NFL. Absolutely. Even, even the NHL is like this. The NHL now, does it too. Where now, yeah. you. Did it cross oh, the line? Goodness. It's hard to see. And goalie like, interference. Goalie interference. Goalie yeah. interference started. <laughs> goalie interference is like, it's just a coin flip. That's what that is. It's yeah. like pass interference in the NFL. Oh, yeah, and it takes <laughs> forever the, for, for the what uh, is exactly to look at it. Yeah. Exactly. And see, I don't want to see that for like just pitches where it's like, it may have possibly caught it because from one angle, it's like, I don't, I don't want that for anything. I want it just to be for obvious misses. It shouldn't. If even it could have been reasonably speaking human error that most umpires would have made, then just let it go. It's fine. If it's something egregious where it's clearly outside the zone and it's easy to see, like within say ten seconds or the second viewing of it, mm. fine. I, I'd be going for that. But the tennis replay isn't even the physical replay itself. It's it's an it's actual just like just a charting an automated of yes. chart of it. Okay, yes. so it just charts where it would have right. came it down. Charts at. where it would have came down, Correct. which is exactly what this should be. I think okay. if you do Correct. that, then it works a lot better. Yeah, and, okay. and I think because um, you don't have to worry about the, okay. the yeah. oh, let me you see. don't got to worry about angles or anything yeah, like exactly. that, yeah. or how it may be in kind of an optical trick. Yes. Yeah, and, and just for the record. A player cannot make this challenge because they want to improve no, their stats. Every time. Yeah, of yeah. course. 
And um, so it'll be restricted to the manager in this yes, case. Yes, and okay. oh, and also, and just for the record, like we see in the MLB all the time, uh, close play. Hold on. Okay, so uh, be like, hold yeah. on. Yeah. Hold on. What's going on here? Was it close out safe? Got to be in the moment. Oh, he's wrong. Okay, challenge. Like no, so it's got to be within like five seconds. Okay, you got to make the challenge, and if 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 you don't make it, sorry. Yeah, but I think if you can make it like that, I think you can preserve everything and still get those pivotal calls right. I I don't think it'll happen, but I think that's the perfect solution. That is that's interesting. Yeah. Yep. All right. So I th- we are at about the two hour mark. There we go. As far are as we actually tw- at the two hour mark? We are at the one two hour, hour fifty eight minutes and twenty seconds. Look at that. Yeah. I'm. This I, is by it, far the longest. We may have to split it up, but I'm fine doing that. Yeah. Wow. That's. I th- I had a lot of fun though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we good. had a plenty yeah, of fun. I had a blast. Yeah. yeah it was yeah, great. Very knowledgeable. Definitely was a huge gain to the show. Oh yeah. Yep. So we'll let you. Plug the uh, page and tell people where to find you to right. help boost you up. Right, guys. So, um, if you are interested in uh, following uh, following some uh, Atlantic League news uh, transactions, you'll see plenty of my uh, opinion on there as well about various different things, uh, as well as uh, I, I will originally talk about. I will talk about um, other leagues as well, uh, such as the uh, the merger, yeah, uh, Frontier League, yeah, merger, yeah, all, that all the good uh, reporting yeah. days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you can find me uh, alpb underscore news on instagram that's primary that's uh primarily where i uh i use on social media uh so yeah if you guys could uh if you guys want to give me a follow uh i would i would really really appreciate it if you want to talk baseball at all in my dms you can always do that i do that with uh uh, plenty of plenty of talk baseball with plenty of people as well as as nick knows yep. plenty well. <laughs> yep. i can definitely vouch for him he will is probably the one guy here that knows the absolute most about the atlantic league no and doubt. a lot of times we only we'll say things on the show with only his backing and we totally trust it. he is a great a source and probably the best you can get for the atlantic I league appreciate that, Nick. And, yeah no doubt oh well, you are i mean take pride in that yeah, yeah. i mean so i definitely worth the follow 100 percent. so i i definitely encourage people to follow him on instagram there so now we'll go to our shameless plugs uh, our shameless and plugs, uh, yeah. <laughs> as you know you can find us on instagram at indie ball report you can find us on twitter at indie ball pod and you can find us um, most major podcatchers, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podomatic, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, basically anywhere you can find a podcast, we're on there. So definitely like, subscribe, follow, rate, review, you know, the whole jazz. It helps boost us in the search results, and it's definitely something we're looking forward. Uh, we do write articles, and the article I promised last week, that should be up around midweek this week. It will be on 10 things to expect to see in indie ball over the next 10 years we'll try and hit uh, one thing for each year but nothing set in stone obviously so you can find articles like that on the website indieballreport.com you could also find our videos that go up on our youtube channel indie ball report podcast on youtube or just go right to the website like i said that has all of it there including the show notes which will have all the links from every show so with that said do we have anything else left at Nope, it's been great. I want to yeah. thank Will very much for coming on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been one heck of a ride. I mean, yeah. let me tell you, this has been a great episode, and uh, I think everybody's going to really enjoy it. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Uh, yeah. Definitely a fan of the show. 
uh, and any first time listeners definitely continue to listen to, to the Indie Bowl Report yep. thank you very much we thank enjoyed you having you on yeah great day and like we end every episode don't forget to play ball